Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Okay. You guys are down. You're not messing around in this place. It's so electric in here. I feel like I'm in Fight Club, actually, instead of a church building. This is like, it's on. (laughs) The lights, the darkness. I just keep wanting to say that, like, okay, we're awake. Okay. The Lord's saying, okay, we're having fun now. Psalm 57, 7, be steadfast, my heart, be steadfast. Awake, my glory, awake the dawn. Be steadfast, my heart, be steadfast. Awake, my glory. Awake, my glory. I've been at all three, well, you probably have more, but three locations today, and I'm like, okay, we're awake. I come into this room tonight, we're awake. Something's happening. It's not just a far-off wish. It's a real hope. There's an expectation for the goodness of God. You're being anchored in the very living hope of God in this house. I mean, it's it's palpable. You're the frog slowly boiling, but I'm here to say you're you're boiling. (laughs) You probably don't even realize the environment you're living in, but I'm coming in from the outside. I'm like, okay, it's happening. Something's going on. This isn't hype. Do it again, Lord, is not some nice teaching series. It's it's real. It's in the air. It's, It's in your hearts. It's just fun. Hmm. Wow. One of, the, one of the things I get to do is uh, serve the city of Kansas City. We're about 2 million people. And uh, I serve through a citywide prayer movement contending for spiritual awakening. It's called Pray KC. Pray KC. Pray Kansas City. And um, about 18 months ago, almost two years ago, we were in one of our meetings uh, multi-ethnic, multi-generational mothers and fathers, sons and daughters that have laid their lives down covenantally in friendship in the presence of God and partnering in mission to see the kingdom of heaven invade a city. Our mantra is Jesus is Lord, the kingdom is here. Jesus is Lord, the kingdom is here. We want to see an awakening happen. And um, I love the moments when you're in a meeting and then all of a sudden Uh, you know God is in the meeting. He's always there, but you know that he's there. The manifest presence of God. And uh, especially it's, it's powerful when it's accompanied by the fear of the Lord. Something that's being lost in my generation is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of wisdom. Oh, that we would treasure again the fear of the Lord. I thank God for Ireland. It's been a It's been a nation, Northern Ireland and the Republic, that has treasured the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. I believe you have a gift to give to the global church. Again, the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. We've known the Father's love. God's helped us to know the Father's love, but he's returning the fear of the Lord. 
And uh, the fear of the Lord came in as a man who's contended for the city for almost 45 years, long gray hair, scraggly beard, very humble man, a jolly man. He spoke a word. It was a powerful word. He said, the spirit says, I want my church back. I want my church back. And you know those moments when everyone just hits the ground. You know, subtle weeping began. You could hear in the room just the, 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 the almost sound of, of groaning and agony. And, and, and then repentance started. And you could sense that the Lord meant this. That he would shake everything that can be shaken. There's shaking going on right now. If we can just pray for a moment, there's shaking going on. Over WhatsApp taxes, there's a, 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 the initiation of a revolt in Beirut. Right now, our team is on the ground in the middle of it. Right now, they're sending out like hourly texts to pray that this doesn't turn into crisis, but there's a redemption, and Jesus, our peace, is in the middle. So, Lord, we proclaim tonight redemption and peace in Beirut. Jesus, our peace, but the world's shaking. Chile is shaking right now over metro tickets. There's an uprising. The question is, who's doing the shaking? The institutions of the church are shaking right now. Who's doing the shaking? There's like a groan for the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. I'm saying, okay, it's in the room right here. I can feel a groan in this room. Something's going on. It's going on here in this very church, and it's going on widely across the world. The Spirit said, I want my church back. It was about a month later that a, a father in the city came and visited me, and he's a guy who uses his words very, very calculated, and he wouldn't be known as a charismatic church leader, but he's a man of high integrity and great respect and, and, and incredible leadership in our city. He called me and said, I have a word from God for you. I was like, whoa. That guy doesn't use that language. He said, I canceled a meeting. I'm only going to have 15 minutes, but I want to drive over and give it to you. We sat down in our prayer room, and the word was, God is going to crush you. I was like, thank you very much. The word you never, I thought in prophecy was supposed to be encouraging. <laughs> he said, God is after new wine. And a new wineskin, Adam, but he must crush you. And I just put that one on the back of the shelf, not even on the shelf, like back on the shelf. This was about a month after the brother said the spirit wants his church back. The happiest place the Holy Spirit ever lived was Jesus' body. I didn't come up with that thought. I was supposed to teach on the Holy Spirit one time, and the Holy Spirit said the happiest place I ever lived was Jesus' body. I was like, whoa, never conceived of God living inside God, having thoughts and emotions. Wow. And he said, it was the happiest place I ever lived because have you ever had a friend that let you fully be yourself? How does that feel when someone allows you to fully be yourself? He said, that's what it was like to live in Jesus' body. He was a zero resistance home for me. What would it look like for a human being to have zero resistance to the Holy Spirit? What would it look like for an entire church to have zero resistance to the one who lives in them? What would it look like for a city to have no resistance to the Holy Spirit? Do you remember when Stephen was dying? 
And he said, you're the ones that always resist the Holy Spirit. What would it look like to drop all resistance and surrender? This father in the faith said, he's going to crush you. He wants new wine and a new wineskin. I put it on the back of the shelf. The long story short, over the next seven months, the Lord came for my heart. He came for the heart of our leadership team. He came after a promise he had given. I had had a dream in 2010 that God would do a miracle, give us a facility, a co-working facility with businesses and organizations, and God did a multi-million dollar miracle to move us into that building, and then he came to our team. How could he do it and have the goal? And he said, I want it all back, but told us nothing. And the crushing began. Fear of failure began to come up in my heart. Fear of control. Fear of what is the church without a building? All of these things. And God refused to speak until a week before the deadline when we had to move out. And then he said, here's my word to you. Follow the cloud. Thank you very much, God. What the heck do you mean by that? There's 500 of us. I know you led your people in a desert, but this is like the 21st century. Churches don't work without buildings. What are you talking about? Follow the cloud. This was last March. The Lord took that word, I want my church back, and I didn't get out of it. I was laying on the ground, surrendering to God, and he goes, I'm going to just start with you. How about that? Follow the cloud. For the last eight months, we've been a nomadic church following a cloud. God said, you got to want every other church to grow more than you want your church to grow. I'm not sending you to buildings. I'm sending you to divine appointments, and you're going to be homeless and all live Luke 10, and you're going to go to other churches, and you're going to say, we have no building. How can we serve you? And God's been taking us house to house and church to church for the last seven months. He's writing a story that is freaking me out. I have no idea what he's doing. And I'm watching him shake the churches of our city. Shake them to the foundation. We've just come out of 40 days of seeking God's face. And God said, I want you to go on a wilderness fast. And I want you to detach from your phones. That's like harder than getting off of heroin for most of us. I mean, literal brain addictions to social media and and he said, I want you to go lower and slower into rhythms of prayer. Do you know, in my generation, reading the Bible and praying is actually too slow for us. We're addicted to now. My, my liturgical prayer was, let my heart run to you faster than my thumb runs to my Instagram. Do you, I don't know if you know, once you, un, once you take Instagram off your phone, you're your finger still goes there before your brain has a chance to say it's not there anymore. That's how autopilot it becomes. So I just formed a liturgical prayer. Let my heart run to you faster than my thumb runs to Instagram. <laughs> but I'm watching him shake. And in the middle of lower and slower, the Lord gave me a story, the rich young ruler. I want to share it with you tonight. And just, just press in because I believe something's going on here. The, the, the precursor to awakening. God is doing something in this house. 
and I'm here if I can just share encouragement or pour fuel on the fire or somehow be a voice of awake my glory. You know, his bride is his glory. Awake my glory and my glory will cover the earth is the end of Psalm 57. He's reviving the church so he can rewire the culture. He's awakening his bride. And wouldn't it be amazing if someone landed in Belfast and said, where's the revival, you know? And instead of, oh, yeah, go down the road just a little bit to Largan, you know, go down there. What if it was like, well, every household, like there's nowhere to find the revival. What if revival wasn't a meeting but a new humanity? What if it was our everyday life consumed with the presence of Jesus? What if it looked like a zero-resistance home for the Holy Spirit every waking moment? What would that mean and look like? So there was this young man who had it all. He was a, a rich, young, successful ruler. Amen. And he ran up to Jesus, and he fell on his knees before the great rabbi, and I just have to commend him for this. What a humble, lower posture he took. There was something in him that had a question. There was a question in him deeper than everything he had and that he possessed. There was an ache inside of him to know. Good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Pause for just a second. Eternal life to the Jew didn't just mean heaven. It meant the kingdom of God in all of its fullness. In fact, Jesus said this is eternal life, to know God. So eternal life didn't just mean where I go when I die. It meant all of my life filled with abundance and flourishing in the kingdom. What do I have to do to enter into this, this abundant life? And Jesus, messing with him for just a moment, says to him, why do you call me good? God alone is good. And this will be sort of the play in this story between good and between God. So Jesus is already with the question, seeing what's in his heart and going, what is good and what is God? But Jesus then goes on, you know the commands. And he goes into the big, bad behaviors of the Ten Commandments. But he's only going to give five of the ten. He goes, you know, the commands, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not lie, do not steal, do not defraud, and honor your father and mother. And the guy's on his knees, you know, before the king, and he's like, I made it. Oh, Yes, I'm in. I felt like that growing up, you know, for part of my life in the church. Like, okay, I kept all the rules. Like, I'm in, you know. I don't think I killed anyone. Oh, dang, honor your father and mother. No, I probably, I, I mean, come on, that guy had to be, there's no way he kept that one. Anyways. But he said, I've kept all these from my youth. And then it says, listen to this. Jesus looked at him and loved him and loved him 
and loved him. He loved him. The jealousy of Jesus' love has been turned towards the church in this hour. Jesus is about to ask for something. But we have to know that he only asks for what damages us or diminishes us. He will not take anything that is our best. His jealous love is for your best. He looks at you and he loves you. His jealousy is pure. His love is honorable and it is always for our best. Because he is about to ask for something that he knows that will be the deepest wrestle of this young man's soul. But he, you have to hear him before he asks you this question. You have to hear his love in the tone of his voice and you have to see his teary eyes as he asks for it because he is not setting you up to fail. He is trying to give you everything. And he says, one thing, young man, you lack. Can you hear the mantra in David's voice? One thing I desire, one thing I have sought, that I may dwell in his house all the days of my life. This one thing of David. And here, Jesus looks at this man in the eyes and he goes, the one thing you lack, the one thing. Go and give away all your possessions and give it to the poor. And now look at him. And you're going to have treasure in heaven. You're going to have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. Come. I mean, can you see this moment? We're about to have the 13th disciple. This, I mean, you can almost hear Adele singing in the background. We could have had it all. Right? I mean, that's a terrible impression of Adele, but you know what I'm saying. We, we, we could just open that door, and behind that door is everything we were created for. It's all inside of those loving eyes called the eyes of Jesus. Everything you were made for is right there in that man. But the question is, does anything have your heart more than Jesus? And it says that young man dropped his head and lost his heart and walked away from everything. The Spirit says, I want my church back. He's addressing cities, but he's starting with every single human heart. I promise you I didn't tell Tosh my message before this. Maybe God's speaking to us. I said her name wrong, didn't I? Tash. Yeah, there. Sorry, Tash. I love you very much. There you are. 
the word for what has our heart is the word idol. An idol is anything that has your affection or your desire or your attention or your money before Jesus. This Tim, Tim Keller quote is powerful. It's anything more important to you than God. Anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to give what only God can give. Man, if we only knew Jesus, what would there be that we could possibly hold on to and not follow him? We could have had it all right there waiting for us to follow this man, but there's something that has a hold of my affection and my attention Something that has a hold of me and my heart that keeps me from following him. But when you think about this, some of us immediately feel guilt, but Jesus is looking at us with love and he's going, would you surrender? I wrestled for months. What did that word, the new wineskin mean? And I was thinking, what does it mean we should meet in homes or we should meet just twice a month? Or I was trying to figure out the form of the deal. And finally, I felt the Lord said to our team, the new wineskin is a family fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Because into the flexibility of a zero resistance, fully surrendered family, I can pour whatever I want to do. I can do whatever I want to do. I can be who I am there in that people to that city. So will you surrender everything? This next quote by Tim Keller our hearts are idol-making factories that make good gifts from God ultimate in our lives, thereby replacing God in our affections. It's, it's the question Jesus asked, why do you call me good? Because this rich young ruler, he had settled for good. But the problem is he had turned something good into God. And here's the problem with idols. Idols will always fail us because idols were never designed for the fullness of our love. They can't handle our worship, and so they ultimately fail. And so Jesus, with love and pure jealousy, goes, Give me your heart undivided. Is there anything that has our heart more than Jesus? There's a list of, um, of things, and it's way overwhelming. Um, I think we have it up here. One more. Self, success, security, possession, sex, image, family, work, comfort, food, entertainment, political party, national identity, and really anything we can make an idol out of. And we're encountering Jesus so profoundly 
coming to us going, is there anything that I can't have? I believe it's one of the conditions for revival. Humble yourself and pray. That sounds like lower and slower. Turn from your wicked ways, right? The Lord's saying in his love for us, I've got the best. Come and follow me. I've got something more than you've ever seen. I've got something more than you've ever dreamed. And you know what? I'm watching God write a story in Nava that I never, ever would have come up with. We have a mantra in Nava. We want to live a story only God can live through us. We want to live a story only God can live through us. But here's the reality. God writes sovereign stories. All we can do is give simple surrender. But what I'm finding is simple surrender ends up being the posture that catches you up into a sovereign story of God. And I believe God right now is writing a sovereign story in Ireland. But the question is, is there anything you won't surrender? I find it challenging to the core. I'm giving you the, the version of the story on this side of it, after the agony of facing my idol, which is success. Desperately, all my life connected to, I have got to be something in my own performance. Watching Jesus, the beloved, strip back the layers to get to the core of my sonship and say, you are who you are by the grace of God and I love you because I love you because I love you. Don't fear failure because success and failure are not your identity, Adam. So is there anything in your heart, anything at all that has your heart more than Jesus? That's the simple invitation. But man, if we could just close our eyes for a second and wait in the fear of the Lord. Can we do that? Close our eyes together. I want to spend the rest of this night simply pouring out our hearts on Jesus. Tash beautifully led us. And I think if the worshipers want to come, let's just, you guys are amazing, by the way. Unbelievable purity of heart. I really appreciate it. Anyways, if we close our eyes, I just want to spend the rest of the night, and some of us might need to have someone pray for us. We might need to get on our face. Whatever it is, you might go, I don't even know if I have idols, but man, I just want to follow Jesus. That's totally good too. But I want us to just wait for a minute and ask the Holy Spirit that one question. Is there anything that has my heart more than Jesus? Is there anything at all that has my heart more than Jesus? But when you ask that question, would you please look into the tear-filled, loving eyes of your king who has it all waiting for you? Who has it all waiting for you? His heart is have it all, our heart is have it all. His heart is have it all, our heart is have it all. His heart is have it all, our heart is have it all. So we want to wait for the rest of the night. I don't know. Yeah, we're doing good on time. We're going to wait on the rest of the night 
for whatever Holy Spirit wants to do. But we're praying that over the next days and weeks, Jesus would dethrone anything that seized your affections before him and be enthroned as your prayer day is coming. Be enthroned as the king of your affections. The man sold the treasure. I mean, found the treasure and sold it all to have it all. To have it all. So God, thank you for revelation in this room. Thank you that it's happening. That okay, we're serious. Okay. And thank you for the purity of this people's faith. And I ask for every heart tonight that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would now come and begin illuminating if there are any idols at all. My heart will sing no other name. Jesus. Jesus. My heart will sing no other name. There will be nothing that has my heart before the man Jesus. There will be nothing that has my heart. Not my house, not my relationships, not my money, not my fulfillment, not my pleasures, not my technology, nothing, not fears. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.